Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. We have been talking about, last week we started talking about repentance. And the reason we did, we've been on this subject of, of sharing the gospel and reaching people with the gospel of Jesus. Praise God. And so... Uh, we start talking about repentance and what repentance really is. And, uh, you know, most Christians, when you say repent, they immediately think of turning away from your sins. Uh, you know, that, that means you stop sinning. That's not what it means. Uh, now, it could refer to that in, in certain contexts, but... Uh, but that, the word repent in and of itself only means this very simply in its most simplistic form. It means to change your mind. To change your mind. Now, if you think sin's a good idea, then you ought to change your mind about sin. So, uh, so in that regard, yes, it, does, it, it could talk about sin. But you have to say specifically repent of your sins in order to mean turn from your sins or repent of your sins um, to change your mind about sin. But we're going to talk today, um, you know, a little bit about this. The Greek word that is translated as, as repent or repentance is the, is the word metanoia or metanoio, depending on what, uh, what tense of the word you're wanting to use. Um, to change your mind, and in Mark chapter 1, uh, verse number 15, I'm going to hit this very quickly, but just to bring you up to speed, Mark chapter 1, verse number 15, it says that uh, uh, Jesus was, was preaching, and here's what he went around saying is, he went around, said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. So he, he's telling, he's talking to a group of people, and if you understand, uh, you know, what the Jewish people were all about, it was all about the law of Moses and keeping the law of Moses, and that was their, uh, their avenue to peace with God. Their avenue to, to righteousness was to, to keep the law. Only problem is they couldn't keep the law. You can't either. So I don't know why we continue to try to do what they couldn't do and what actually the scripture tells us you can't do. And, and yet we, could, we continue, Christians continue to try to please God or appease God by keeping the commandments. Now, I, I say this often that, you know, if you live by the Ten Commandments and you keep the Ten Commandments, that's a good thing. But it's not your means to righteousness. You know, how many know it's not a good thing to murder? Okay, that'll get you in trouble. Uh, it is not a good thing to bear false witness. That'll destroy your relationships when you're bearing false witness against people. Uh, you know, it is not a good thing to commit adultery. Look at the person sitting next to you, and, you know, if that happens to be your spouse and ask if they, if they agree that that's a good idea to not commit adultery. You know, I, I'm sure that they will agree with that. And, you know, it might keep you alive. Uh, and, and so anyway, uh, we, we need to understand that that's, that's a good way to live. 
but it will not get you or make you righteous. And you cannot keep the Ten Commandments perfectly. You know, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. This is the first commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You know, and there are days when you could do that, and there are days when you can't do that. And yet the Bible says that if you miss, if, if you break one commandment, you're guilty of breaking them all. So we're in trouble if we have to become righteous by keeping the Ten Commandments. You see, that was never the intention. That was never the point of the law. That's not, it was never for that. That's not why it was given. It was given to make us know that we needed a Savior. If, I, if we didn't have the Ten Commandments, we wouldn't even know we needed a Savior. But we know we need a Savior, and, and so God gave the Ten Commandments so we would know that, and then we would say, help! And he said, help. Praise God. Now, Repentance just simply means to change your mind. Jesus is talking to people that were appealing to God on the basis of the Ten Commandments. And Jesus came along preaching, and he says, now there's a better way. The better way has come. I have come, and I'm going to fulfill the Ten Commandments. I'm going to fulfill the letter of the law on your behalf so that it is counted to you as though you did it. Isn't that, isn't that cool when, when uh, somebody else did something amazing for you and you get credit for it? You know, no effort on your, uh, on your part. It was just credited to you. And, uh, you know, that's what Jesus did for us. He fulfilled the letter of the law on our behalf, credited it to us. Praise God. You know, it's as though you had a, a, a massive fine and you went to court and someone paid that fine for you. The judge doesn't care if somebody paid it for you. He just cares that it gets paid. And it doesn't matter to him who paid it. But it's credited to you. Now, what I, what I mean is credited to you. That means that, that you, it, it's, uh, it, it is credited to you that you don't have to go to jail for not paying it. Praise God. But you didn't pay a dime. You know, Jesus paid all of our debt. Praise God. And credited it to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, he says, a, a change of mind. And last week I went through extensively explaining to you how that we know that's what it means. And how that, that it has to do with our beliefs and, and changing our mind, what, changing what we believe. Jesus said, change your mind and instead of believing that you have to appeal to God on the basis of these Ten Commandments, instead understand that now you simply change your mind and you believe that I took care of that for you. That's the good news. That's the gospel. He said, change your mind, and instead of what you've been believing, now believe the good news. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I, I want to read a, a quote to you from a, a book. It's really a book about relationships, but there's a, there's a segment of this book, a, a part of the book that, that talks about our beliefs. And uh, the book is, is titled, I Promise, and it's by Dr. Gary Smalley. And uh, 
You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, this, this grace stuff and this, this beliefs and all this kind of stuff, this, this is some, uh, in fact, when I, when I read what I read, a lot of people would think this is the words of some heretic, uh, hyper-grace preacher is what they would say. Uh, that's, that's somebody else's words, not mine, okay? Um, because I would fall in that category of being what they would call a hyper-grace preacher, okay? I, I'm, I'm guilty because I believe that by grace I am saved through faith, and that not of myself is the gift of God, not of my works, lest I should in any way presume to boast. Praise God. But here's what Dr. Gary Smalley said. He's a, uh, he was a respected, highly respected Christian psychologist, okay, and here's what he said, beliefs are so powerful that they not only change your perception of life, but also how you act in response to everything that happens to you. Using your beliefs as a basis, you create rules to regulate your behavior, now, that goes right along with what I've been telling you that, and I talked a lot about last week, that if we approach the changed life, if we approach this from, uh, you know, the, the issue about sin and all that kind of, if we approach it from the issue of you need to change your behavior, what we're going to end up with is we're going to end up frustrated because we try and we fail. So it's, it, it begins a cycle of I try to change my behavior. I might do it for a while, but eventually I will fail. And when I fail, then I become discouraged and I become condemned because I failed. And I should have done better than that. So now I, I am in condemnation and, and we're going to talk about condemnation a little bit. Just kind of tuck that, that thought away. But it starts this cycle of self-effort, failure, condemnation, leading to more self-effort, more failure, more condemnation. And finally, you leave out the self-effort, and you just stop trying. And you just keep failing. And you become so condemned. And condemnation is a, is a prison that the devil loves to get you in. He, he loves to get you in this prison of condemnation because he knows that uh, there's only one way out of that prison, and that is for you to get a revelation of Jesus Christ. And, the, and so he wants to keep you away from anybody that's telling you that, anybody that's preaching that. He wants you to not hear that message that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because if he can keep you in that prison of condemnation, he can keep you repeating your failure. Now, let's get this. Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. And do not be conformed to this world. Now, that's a great statement, but how do you avoid being conformed to this world? How do you avoid fitting into the, the patterns of the world? How do you avoid that? He, he tells you, you know, don't be conformed to this world, but let's see how. But be transformed. All right, conformed is different than transformed. Conformed is that you are squeezed into the patterns of this world and the world's way of doing things and the world's way of thinking. You're squeezed into that pattern. He says, but instead, be transformed. In other words, Jesus will change you he says, be transformed by renewing your mind. Now, doesn't that sound like repentance? Change your mind. 
repent, change your mind, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, or we could say be transformed by repentance. Praise God. Praise God. Has anybody ever came in here, you, you, you came to church, and you heard me preach something that was something you hadn't really heard before or something you didn't understand before, and you went away believing differently than you did when you came in. Anybody? Anybody willing to show your hand on that? Okay. That, you know, that's the goal. That's the goal, you know. When you did that, you repented. Simple as that. You know, I trust that repentance is taking place right now at this very moment. Nobody's on their face down here crying, but yet repentance is taking place. You know, we used to think repentance was when you came down and we had altar benches at the front of our church and that that repentance was when you came and you cried and you wailed and you were so sorry for your sins and that was repentance. That's what we thought. But repentance is happening right now and nobody is on their face crying. Because repentance has to do with you changing your mind. Now, let, let's go on. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. That you may prove. Or that, in other words, changing your mind empowers you to prove something. And then he goes on, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Praise God. Now, let's get this. I like this in um, J.B. Phillips' translation, uh, the New Testament in modern English. Let me read this to you and, and, and listen very carefully to how J.B. Phillips translates that verse. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within. See, conformed is molding from without by putting the pressure on you to change your mind, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all of God's demands, and moves toward the goal of true maturity. Now there is repentance. God remolding your mind from within. God's doing an inner work in you to change your mind. And when your mind is changed, then you will be able to prove in practice. In other words, that's to live it out and to actually walk it out. It's one thing to know something. It's another thing to walk it out. You know, when you have been transformed in your thinking, then you are empowered to walk it out and actually make the changes on the outside. Praise God. But the change starts on the inside. Change that starts on the outside, will, it's just a response to the pressure that you're under. And when the pressure's off, then you revert, right? You know, it's like a spring. You can compress a spring of pressure, but when you release the pressure, the spring returns right back to what it was. And our life is like that. When you put pressure on from the outside, we make changes, we make adjustments, but when the pressure is removed, then we revert right back to what we were. 
But see, when there's a change from the inside, praise God, then the change becomes real and lasting. This is why we need to repent, and this is, you know, when we're preaching the gospel, I need to bring this in and tie this in because that's what that's really the over the uh, overarching theme of what we've been talking about. When we're sharing the gospel with someone, we Jesus said that repentance and the remission of sins should be preached to all nations. So he told us to preach repentance. But if we think repentance means you got to stop sinning, that's why the church has been failing in much of its evangelism efforts. Because we've been telling people, you got to stop doing this and stop doing that and change the way you're behaving and, and, and correct this and quit doing that. And, you, and, and all of these things, we're applying outside pressure on them, and some people will respond to that for a time, but when the pressure's off, they're right back to where they were. But see, we need to share what real repentance is. Change your mind, and Jesus gave us example of that. He said we change our mind about what we've been believing. Because beliefs are what shape your behavior. So change your mind about what you've been believing. The apostle Paul found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. And he said, then what were you baptized under? And he, they said, under John's baptism. And he said, well, John in, baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying now, what he is saying tells us what the repentance is that he's talking about. He says, saying that you should believe on the one who's coming after me, that is, on Jesus. So John was preaching, he said, there's coming one after me, you need to change your mind and believe on him. Praise God. So we, we find that this is, what, uh, this is what Jesus told us to preach. Praise God. A change of mind, a change of mind to believe the good news. You know, many people, they, well, they're trying to change your mind to, to believe. You know, when they talk to, to unbelievers and they try to share the gospel with them, they want to tell them that, you know, you're going to hell if you don't change, you know, and, and that, that's not a lie, because if they don't, it's not about correcting their behavior, but it's if you don't accept Jesus, you're going to hell, and that's the truth, but that's not the good news. The good news is you don't have to go to hell. The good news is there's no need for you to go to hell. There is no need for any person to go to hell because Jesus already came and paid for the sins of the whole world. And God was satisfied with Jesus' substitutionary sacrifice. Praise God. Now, let's get this. When we approach from the wrong direction, we start this cycle. We start this cycle. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote some things in Romans, the seventh chapter. And he wrote about a struggle that took place. And he said this, this is a struggle between... And I would have to read the entire chapter for you. This is why I'm just kind of hitting some highlights of what he was talking about. I encourage you to read the seventh chapter of Romans on your own. Okay? But in the seventh chapter of Romans, Paul is saying, you know, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I hate, those are the things I do. He said, there's this, there's this struggle going on. And then he gets down to the end of the 
chapter, and he, he says, who will deliver me from this body of death? So I, I am, you know, I'm doing things I don't like. I'm doing things I don't want to do. Anybody ever done things you don't like, things you don't want to do? You know, I, I've, I've heard people, in fact, there was a time that I even said it myself. Uh, so, you know, but, but they said, well, if you sinned, you wanted to. I learned since that that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes we find ourselves in a trap to where we could, you know, we don't want to be acting this way, but we are. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, I, you know, I'm doing things I didn't want to do. And the things I want to do, I find that I'm not doing them. He says, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he says, I thank God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God. He said, God sent Jesus, my Lord, and he delivered me from this body of death. Praise God. Now, some people read the seventh chapter of Romans and they, they forget that end part where he says, Jesus has delivered us from this. And they think that this is a cycle they have to stay in because, well, Paul struggle with this, but Paul was telling you this to tell you, Jesus delivered me from this. Praise God. So maybe you're stuck in the cycle. Quit looking to Paul and say, well, Paul was struggling with it too, so I guess I'm okay. No, that's not the thing. The thing is, Paul acknowledged that there was such a struggle, but I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord, he has delivered me from this struggle. Praise God. And then in chapter 8, the very first verse starts out like this. There is therefore no condemnation. Now, why, was that, why is that important? Why did I bring that out? How many people realized that the struggle in chapter 7 directly related to the beginning of chapter 8, that they were connected. You know, we stop at the end of chapter 7 and say, well, I read my chapter for today. But you haven't read it right unless you've read chapter 8, verse 1. Praise God. There is therefore now, because Christ Jesus our Lord has delivered us from this body of death, now there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Then he goes on, he says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Does some say that part wasn't in the in the original text, and I'm going to tell you, I don't really know, but I'll tell you this, that there's nothing wrong with that statement. In fact, it, it, if you understand what walking in the Spirit actually means, walking in the Spirit, it, it just means that you are walking according to the Spirit. It just means that you're being led by your Spirit, and it is a result of no condemnation, not the means to no condemnation. And we get, we get things backwards sometimes. We think something is the means to when, in fact, it is the result of. Do you understand what I'm saying? Walking in the Spirit or according to the Spirit, being led by your Spirit, is the result of no condemnation, not the means to no condemnation. The means to no condemnation is to be in Christ Jesus. Praise God. And if you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are in Christ Jesus. Say it real loud right now. Let's say it together real loud. I am in Christ Jesus. Now remind yourself of that often because that is your position. I am in Christ Jesus. And because I am in Christ Christ Jesus, now I do not walk according to the flesh, but I walk according to the Spirit. 
For, he goes on and he says, for the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which is where I am, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. It has made me free from the cycle. Hallelujah. Praise God. You've got to read chapter 8. Because chapter 7 is the struggle, but chapter 8 is the victory over the struggle. Hallelujah. Paul was, didn't stay in the struggle. There was a struggle, and he acknowledges that, but he didn't stay in the struggle. Somebody said, well, God loves me just like I am. That's true. He loves you too much to leave you like you are. Praise God. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Praise God. There is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation. Say it with me. Say no condemnation. There is therefore now, when? Now. No condemnation. And it doesn't put a condition on it except that you be in Christ Jesus. And you are in Christ Jesus if you have received him as your personal Lord and Savior. Well, what about if I sinned? He's not kicking you out of Christ Jesus. Do you get that? Paul said things I hate, that I do. Is he saying, I used to be saved, but now I'm not? No, that's not what he's saying. You know, he used to believe that. There was a, there was a time, a, a point in time when, when I believed that you'd get unsaved. Then you get saved again. Then you get unsaved, sometimes two or three times in the same day. <laughs> but, you know, you're saved and then you're not, and you're saved and you're not. You're Where's the security in that? Where is the, the knowing in, in that? I mean, do I believe that I am actually, really, genuinely, positively sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise? Do I believe that Holy Spirit has come to abide with me forever? If I believe he came to abide with me forever, but I also believe that I can get unsaved, then that means if he's really abiding with me forever, then that means Holy Spirit's living in an unsaved person. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? If I believe that Holy Spirit abides with me forever, and I also at the same time believe I can get unsaved, then that means he is abiding in an unsaved person. Now, nobody would agree with that. Nobody would agree that the Holy Spirit is dwelling in an unsaved person. So, there's something wrong with that. I need to figure out what it is. Because if I believe that, I'm going to be a mess. You know, today I'm saved, tomorrow I'm not. Well, I better get saved again. You know. Jesus didn't say you must be born again, 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 again. He said you must be born again. Praise God. Now, notice this. The remission of sin is about what I believe, not about what I do. Now, let me, let me tell you, and, and please do not misunderstand, please do not go away from here saying, Pastor Daniel said, it doesn't matter what I do. So you go home, you slap your wife, cuss out the kids. And he said, Pastor Daniel said, it doesn't matter what I do. Pastor Daniel did not say that. Okay? When it comes to 
you being saved, there is nothing you can do that will make you saved. It's what you believe. When Paul and Silas were in the Philippian jail, and an earthquake happened, and everybody's chains were loosed, and the jailer thought they had all run away, and they said, uh, don't do yourself any harm. He's about to kill himself because he let the prisoners escape, except the prisoners didn't escape. And they said, don't do yourself any harm because we're all still here. And the guy came over, the jailer, he came over, and he said, sir, tell me, what must I do to be saved? And they said, stop all your sinning, go to church, pray every night, Read your Bible all the way through at least once a year and get yourself a Strong's Concordance. That's not what they said. They said, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved in your household. They didn't even tell him what to do. They just told him what to believe. Praise God. You know, receiving comes through believing, not through doing. Now, we've got it wrong. And, and you know, I used to preach things like this. Seven steps to receiving your healing. Seven steps to prosperity. But they never worked for me. But, you know, we, we got, here is the, the things you must do in order to receive. And so I tried to do all the steps. And I, you know, I was condemned because I thought, well, I wasn't doing them good enough. I tried harder, and then I still failed, so I tried harder, and I still failed. Thank God I never quit, but, you know, wasn't because I didn't want to. Wasn't because I didn't think about it sometimes, but I, I never actually quit. But, you know, here's the thing. I am so glad, and it was so liberating to me to find out that God has already in Christ Jesus taken care of everything I need. What I need to do is believe. I need to believe that he's done this. I need to believe that he became poor so that I through his poverty might become rich. I need to believe that he supplies all, has supplied all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I need to believe that he bore my sickness and my disease and my pain on his body so that I don't have to bear it. I need to believe that. Praise God. And know that it is all because of what he did and stop trying to get him to do something. And see, it's usually... It usually went like this. If you will do this, then God will do this. But the thing of it is, God already did before I was ever even born. That's why I've got to believe. Because there was, I wasn't even born. How could I possibly do something to get God to do what he did? I've got to believe he did. Praise God. Praise God. You see, there is a difference in being and receiving. Okay, here's what we've got to understand. Every person on this planet, salvation has already been provided for them. But yet there are many unsaved people. Why is that? Why does what Jesus did for them not match up with what they experience in their life? The difference is believing. How shall they believe 
in him of whom they have not heard. Right out of Romans 10. How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? See, we got to tell them. We got to tell them what to believe, not what to do. We got to call on the name of the Lord. How can they call on whom they have not heard? And how can they hear except there's a preacher, someone to tell them? We got to tell them what Jesus has done for them. Praise God. The difference in forgiveness or being forgiven and receiving forgiveness. There's a difference. You have been forgiven. God already forgave you in Christ. The sins of the whole world have been dealt with. Now, I contend this, that actually the forgiveness took place before God dealt with them. And why did I say that? Because he forgave them and that's why he dealt with them. He forgave them, that's why Jesus went to the cross, because he forgave them. I forgive you, now I'm going to do something about it. But there's a difference in being forgiven and receiving forgiveness. I receive forgiveness because I believe he has forgiven me. Do you get that? Do you see that? I receive forgiveness because I believe he has forgiven me. How can I receive something that's not available? If I try to receive something that's not available, then I have to try to talk him into making it available, right? But you see, I don't have, I don't have to talk him into anything. I receive forgiveness because I believe he forgave me. I receive the remission of sins because I believe my sins have been remitted. Hallelujah. I, there's, a, there's a difference in being healed and receiving my healing. I receive my healing because I believe with his stripes I was healed. Otherwise, I got to try to talk him into healing me. If he hadn't done it yet, I've got to talk him into it. I've got to persuade him. I've got to do something to get him to do this. But he already did. Romans 10 says he's not coming down from above ever, uh, again. Now, I mean, he's coming back again, but uh, a completely different purpose in a completely different uh, situation. Yes, Jesus is going to return again. I do believe in the second return of Christ, okay? But that's not what we're talking. When he comes back the second time, he's not coming for the same purpose he came the first time. When he, but Romans 10 says he's not coming down to pay for your sins again. He's not coming down to heal your body again. He's not coming down to deal with your situation again because he already did. He said, and if you are speaking in faith, you won't say who will ascend into heaven and bring Christ down from above. You won't say who will descend into the abyss to bring him up from the dead. Why? He already came down from above. He already went to the grave. He already rose again from the dead. And he is alive forevermore. And there's no need for him to ever do that again. Once was enough. And so there is a huge, huge difference in my sins being forgiven and me receiving the forgiveness of sin. There is a huge, huge difference in me being healed. Peter said, 
By his stripes I was, past tense, healed. There is a huge difference in being healed and receiving my healing. And how do I receive my healing? I receive my healing by changing my mind from trying to get God to do something and starting to believe he already did and receive it through believing. Praise God. And if you pay attention to what I'm telling you today, it will tell you how to walk in victory in your life. How to live out the perfect will of God. But if you are under, if you are living under condemnation, condemnation says you didn't do enough. You didn't do it right. You failed. But how can you not do enough when you don't need to do anything? This is how you get free from condemnation. And being free from condemnation will open you up to all of the goodness and blessing of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You didn't do enough. Well, how could I do enough when I, or not do enough when I didn't need to do anything? How is it that I could be guilty of not doing enough when Jesus already did it all. I need to believe. The remission of sin is received by believing my sins were remitted. Healing for my body is received by believing by his stripes I was healed. Provision for my life doesn't come from doing. It comes from believing that he became past tense poor for me so that I through his poverty could become rich. Hallelujah. By believing that he has provided all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, what I'm preaching to you today will set you free. Praise God. Maybe you're in a struggle like Paul was. And you're saying, who will deliver me from this body of death? I'm in a cycle I can't break out of. And it's just over and over and over again. I'm never good enough. I can't ever be enough. I can't ever attain enough. I can't ever work hard enough. I can't ever succeed enough. And, and you're in tears because you feel completely inadequate. Let me tell you, all you have to do is believe what he did. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's freedom happening in the house today. Praise God. There is freedom happening in the house today. Praise God. Let's just start right now. Let's just start giving him thanks for all the things he has freed you from. And the greatest thing he has freed you from is self-effort. Hallelujah. When you get free from self-effort, then you can receive all of the things that he has provided for you in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And every day of your life, make it your purpose to learn more about what he freed you from. Hallelujah. Make it your purpose to learn more about what he has done so you know what you don't have to work hard to do. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Just say this with me. Say, thank you, Jesus, that you have freed me from self-effort. Thank you, Jesus. I believe what you did. Now, if you have never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, let's just continue this right on here, what we're doing. 
Say this with me. Say, I believe that you have freed me from the power of sin. I believe that you paid for all of my sin and that I don't have to work hard to be forgiven. I just have to believe you have forgiven me. Right now, Lord, I believe you have forgiven me and I receive the forgiveness of sins. I believe that you were raised from the dead and you are Lord and you have forgiven me all of my trespasses and they'll never be remembered against me again. I believe and therefore I receive. I believe that you bore my sickness, disease, and pain freed me from it and therefore I receive right now my healing now you're not just repeating after me you're meaning what you're saying right okay let's say it say I receive my healing because I have been healed I receive my forgiveness because I have been forgiven. Hallelujah. I receive my provision because I have already been provided for. Thank you, Lord. I receive because I believe in Jesus' name. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we wanna hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website and we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus and I wanna encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love with you.